Hello. My name is Siri Shalazi, and I'm a gender and organizations researcher at the Women and Public Policy Program at the Harvard Kennedy School. My life's work is advancing women and promoting gender equality within organizations, so I'm thrilled to be hosting this podcast today to celebrate International Women's Day. This is, in fact, the inaugural Parexcel podcast. Uh, Parexcel is a leading innovator of global biopharmaceutical services, and going forward, these podcasts will generally cover a variety of topics of interest to anyone who is involved in the journey to transform scientific discoveries into new medical treatments for patients. But today in this inaugural podcast, we're talking specifically about women's leadership in the scientific arena. I'm honored to be joined by Dr. Kemi Olugemo and Dr. Ubavka Dinobel, as well as Aida Sabo, uh, all of whom are leaders at Parexcel. They're here to discuss what it means to be a female leader in a STEM field and their personal challenges that they faced on their journeys. Our hope being that this conversation will inspire the next generation of female leaders rising up through the ranks. We'll also dive into how um, Ubavka, Kemi, and Aida's experiences at Parexcel have influenced their leadership and what the 2019 International Women's Day motto of Balance for Better means to them. Later on in this episode, I'll also speak with Peyton Howell, Parexcel's Chief Commercial and Strategy Officer, about her journey and the experiences that have shaped her growth. So, Kemi, Ubavka, and Aida, a warm welcome to all of you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Kemi, you're a board-certified neurologist and a senior medical director and global therapeutic area head of CNS. And I understand that you've worked at Parexcel for almost eight years. Welcome. It's great to have you. Uh, thank you, Siri. Thank you very much for uh, the kind introduction. Uh, yes, I've um, been at Parexcel for about seven and a half years, and I'm very excited to be here today to participate in this very important discussion with uh, our great female le- some of our great female leaders. So looking forward to um, a great discussion. Wonderful. And Ubavka, uh, you're a board-certified internal medicine physician and the chief commercial officer of Parexcel Informatics. And I understand that you've also worked at Parexcel for around eight years. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Almost eight years. I'm uh, with Parexcel uh, and uh, I'm thrilled to be here uh, simply because this is a very important uh, uh, event, if you want, uh, from International Women Day. Absolutely. Thank you. And Aida, you're an electrical engineer and the vice president of diversity and inclusion here at Parexcel. And I understand you've been here for five years. Wow. Yes. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. It's so great to be here. Terrific. So Kemi and Ubavka, I'd love to start by learning more about your journeys. How did you get to where you are today? Well, I can start. So um, as you mentioned previously, I'm a neurologist. And I, uh, I actually went to school at University of Massachusetts in Lowell. And when I was in my um, undergraduate, when I was uh, studying um, medical technology at University of Massachusetts, I was fortunate to work in um, a professor's biochemistry lab, uh, Dr. K. Doyle. And I think that really uh, sowed the seed in my interest in clinical research when I was working with Dr. Doyle. She is um, really a decorated uh, researcher and uh, was just a wonderful mentor for me and actually made me start thinking about going to medical school. So um, I I eventually did apply to several medical schools. I was lucky to get several acceptances. I chose the program at University of Maryland uh, based on their curriculum, which was really innovative at the time. 
And uh, I actually originally thought I was going to work um, as, as a gynecologist because I was interested in women, women's health, and advancing women. And it just so happened that when I first took my uh, neuroscience um, course in my second year of medical school, I was just completely enamored with the nervous system. And, uh, and then the rest is history, so I, I became a neurologist. Uh, I do have clinical practice experience, and I really enjoyed seeing patients. But one thing really struck a chord with me was when I was in practice, there were many diseases that we either didn't have any treatment for or didn't have good treatments. Amazing. Thank you, Kemi. That's quite a journey. <laughs> How about you, Babka? Uh, uh, my journey is uh, a little bit unusual, uh, simply because I uh, work, uh, I was born and grew up in former Yugoslavia. And when war started in Yugoslavia in 1992, I moved to the United States. And I joined industry as a safety person. And when I joined the industry, the uh, area that uh, uh, was familiar uh, to me was the profile of the medications. And I realized that as a product safety associate and later on medical monitor, I can apply my medical knowledge. Um, Coming uh, from country like Yugoslavia uh, in corporate America is a big change. And I think uh, that uh, this adjustment shaped me in many ways. And I think that uh, today, in retrospect, when I'm thinking about this, actually helped me that I didn't know a lot about corporate world because I didn't accept all barriers that probably we will have opportunity to talk about today. Mm. What are some of those barriers that the two of you have encountered in your careers? Uh, this is a very tricky question, and I will tell you why. Uh, because uh, it, for my generation, for us, uh, we really had... Uh, recognition that we did good work, that outcome of our work was a positive, that was impactful, that was influential. Uh, everything was great on surface, and we thought that outcome of our work is going to define our career. Well, this is not the case. Uh, you have some invisible walls, and then you face this wall that is usually, if you are growing up through ranks, somewhere in front of C-suite or top executive crew, and you need to make decisions. And my decision was that nobody is going to put me down. Uh, to put me down, they definitely need permission, my permission, uh, and that I will focus my energy in different way. And this is the point. I vividly remember this when it's happened in my professional life, that I will focus my energy in young, talented, well-educated, well-rounded women. 
and help them to grow up through ranks and overcome obstacles that identify that I didn't have opportunity somebody to take me under their wings. Mm. That point about mentorship and sponsorship and passing it on, I think it's really important. And yeah. Kemi, you mentioned it also in the context of your journey that you'd had the benefit of some amazing mentorship along the way. I did, absolutely. So I've had mentors throughout my career. Um, and right from my undergraduate uh, studies uh, to my early career in medicine, and then even right now at Paracel. And they played a really instrumental role in creating opportunities for me and, and also sponsoring me. And my mentors have been male and, and women. So I think it's very important for any uh, girls or young women who are thinking about careers in STEM to identify uh, one or two mentors, uh, ideally more if, if you if you can, that can really um, help you um, as you make decisions and can guide you. I think that's really important. How do you find mentors? <laughs> well, I think that um, it's always important to build your network. Um, so I think just you can find a mentor through various um, means. If you think about where your, uh, what kind of trajectory you would want your career to be, perhaps look at someone in the position or the role that you would like to be in the future and, and reach out to that person. It may seem scary. Sometimes you may need an intercessor, perhaps someone who knows the person that you would like to be uh, receive mentorship from. But I found that most people are really willing and excited to help other people and to support other people. So I would say the first step would be to educate um, to educate yourself about what you would like, think about your passions and your interests, identify people who could be a good mentor for you, and then the last step is to reach out to that person. I'd love to pick up on that point about seeing yourself as a leader, because there is, in fact, research that suggests that how other people around you treat you and how they nurture your vision of yourself and your career progression has a huge impact on which roles you choose to pursue, when you choose to raise your hand up for new opportunities. And so there's this element of you might have a lot of potential, but if that potential isn't recognized by those around you, and if it's not nurtured, um, it can go to waste. Um, and furthermore, to connect this to gender, it turns out that men tend to be often nurtured more in organizations because per societal stereotypes, they're seen as leaders perhaps more often than women. Have you two experienced being a female leader as being somehow different than your male colleagues? Oh, you, know, you will uh, be surprised with my answer. I think, you know, that uh, you have so many strong female leaders. And I think that we are very engaged. And uh, I think that we really care about leadership and way how we will demonstrate this toward people that we are mentoring, and in this case, we are talking about uh, females. And uh, this is a company that is uh, very open for cultural differences. And I can share with you, Joe Avalon was my first boss and first mentor in this company. And I got my first corporate coach. Uh, I also was privileged that I had a coaching during this period. And this lady is coming, and he told her, please, don't try to change her accent 
and don't try to change her behavior because she's a prototype of the culture from where she's coming and we like her as she is. And I think, you know, that you need uh, to maintain and embrace diversity and uh, this is contributing factor to economical success or business success of every single company. So, Aida, can you tell us a little bit more about that strategy and how you've made a difference sure. on diversity and inclusion at Parkcell? Sure. Um, you know, what I, I've uh, launched four strategies at four different companies after spending 20 years being an electrical engineer and working for a company. And it was at that company back in, in Silicon Valley that I learned about strategies. I got involved with the Women's Network, and I realized the importance of data transparency. And in many of the, in the companies that I've gone to, um, they don't have the data that around gender, they didn't have it until I got there. The, the, the data representation around gender, uh, the data representation on the voice of the employee, how do the, the women feel compared to the men, compared to the LGBT community, how do the blacks versus the Hispanics, uh, and so forth. And in the states, you know, we can cut the data by different groups. In other countries, we can't, but we can always do, cut the data b by gender. And so I was able to, to have them see see this, and I brought these pyramids that I, I created in Silicon Valley, and they're gender representation pyramids. And then if you meet 50-50, you know, or, or here we have a target of 40%, um, then, um, then you get green, okay? Uh, and, and we actually did it in the, based on how close we were to what um, the affirmative action plans had. But I think we've gone beyond that, you know, uh, in our corporations, uh, because people know that we need to do this because it's good for business. And it's also good in retaining talent and attracting talent because employees want to go to environments where they feel valued, respected, and supported. In one of your signature initiatives at Parkcell has been engaging men in various ways and forming a real gender partnership, as you said. Could you tell us more about that? Sure, sure. Um, you know, I, as you were talking earlier around mentors and thinking about who were the people that really helped me, and it was my dad. I came from a little village in Mexico where, where men and women had different roles. But my dad, since I was his firstborn, he wanted me to, to, to live my life and not to worry that being a woman was going to set me back. So the first step he did was to bring me and bring our whole family to the U.S. And so we came to the U.S. In those days, um, people from Mexico were welcomed, and, and they actually needed us to come and help. And so we were able to come here legally, which is wonderful. And um, I went through school, but my dad was always there making sure that I took those math classes. He, he taught me the timetables. By the age of four, I knew all the timetables. And so when I went to school, I didn't speak English very well, but I was really good in math, and that really helped. Um, and so, you know, then when I went to my first job, uh, uh, it was a male that stepped in to saw that there was some microaggression from another male, and uh, he actually stepped in. And so all through my career, I have seen how men were instrumental in me getting to that next step. And so in 2014, while I was at another company, 
the coach that was working with me on the strategies, uh, we both said, you know, we can't continue preaching to the choir. We need to engage the men. The men hold the keys to the kingdom, and they need to be part of this. And also, they need to be part of this for their own inclusion. <coughs> what is the journey of men? You know, uh, how do they feel about this? This is happening under their watch. How, you know, they want to be part of the solution, not seen as a problem. So here at the company, we don't have one or two or three men. We have hundreds of men fully engaged as mentors, as pensers, as, as driving initiatives, um, leading regents. Uh, uh, I could tell you so much of how men and women are working together here. But Yeah, but what is important here, you know, that what, message that you are conveying, uh, this is our problem and we need to work together. Uh, but on the other side, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, look at our conversation right now. We are talking about balanced boardroom. We are talking about balanced government. We are talking about balanced media approach. I can tell you, even 15 years ago, it was absolutely strange topic. Today, this is our reality. And I think that this is a huge progress, but I want us to have full understanding that we are not dealing with women issues. We are dealing with the human issues and there is only one way to solve this, and this is to work together, mm-hmm. males and females. And I'm so proud of young generation because this is 10 times more balanced. We absolutely have different geography where we need to have uh, to do a lot of work, but impact is already there. So speaking of balance, the official motto of the 2019 International Women's Day is balance for better. Each year there's a different motto and that's ours uh, for this year. What does it mean to the three of you, balance for better? So for me, balance for better means uh, gender balance and and gender equity. And uh, I think that we've uh, discussed um, each of us uh, in previous points that we've made, how um, achieving this balance is is not just a nice to have or moral issue, it's a business issue. So companies that are more balanced um, as far as gender is concerned are more profitable and, and more innovative. So we know this already. And um, so balance to me means um, being able to create that balance within uh, every work environment for men and women to have equal opportunities, equal recognition, equal support uh, in whatever they choose to do. Yes, um, what I'd like to add is that I love years, this year's focus because it's balance for better, ba- balance for better business decisions, more innovation, uh, better processes, because you have different people with different brains contributing to the solution of a problem. And so at the end of the day, it's, we're doing this because it's, it's good for business and it's also good for people. People want to feel valued, respected, and supported, regardless of what's on the outside. Because at the end of the day, it's what's inside that's, that really matters, what's in our heart and what's in our head. 
excellent words to end on. Thank you so much to all three of you for a fantastic conversation. I want to give you the opportunity, if you have any last words, any final comments that you make that you didn't get to say. I would say that the future is bright for women uh, in STEM and, and also in any other career that you, uh, that you would desire. So um, we have... We have some ways to go as closing the gender gap, creating more balance, but uh, we've come a long way. And, and I think that we need to recognize that and celebrate it um, as we recognize uh, women's contributions to society. Yeah, I think that we will have a balance soon. And I'm very optimistic. I think in 20 years that we will have a completely different picture. I think that uh, a STEM journey is uh, actually so rewarding and that uh, women that are part uh, uh, of this movement are actually very respected. I want also to point out that they have respect not only in working environment but in community and what is probably most important for the family that they are role models for the kids. And I also want to point out that every single person that follow this journey make impact and is influential. And this is what make your life different. I think that many women that are part of the STEM field can tell one day, I really had a full life. I actually have, uh, uh, I read a lot about you. And when I read uh, your biography and what you did, I realized that you are advocate for advocate, not activist, and that you are integral part of the group that are creating strategy for women going forward. But I have a question to ask you. All what we are talking about is talking about women issue. I don't think that this is woman issue. I think that this is human issue and that we need to solve certain things together. Can you share uh, with us a little bit how you feel about this? Absolutely. And Ubavka, I'm so glad that you brought it up because I agree with you 100%. It's a human issue. And I would say even more so, it's an organizational issue. Um, it should be everybody's concern that we develop the most diverse, high-performing, efficient teams that we can. And we can only have that high performance if we're including everyone's diverse experiences and viewpoints around the table. Thank you so much, Kemi, Ubavka, Aida. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Up next, I'd like to turn to a conversation with Peyton Howell, ParXL's Chief Commercial and Strategy Officer. She has been with the company for almost a year and has a terrific background of over 25 years in the broader healthcare landscape, including in various global executive roles. Peyton is also a nationally recognized speaker and author on health policy issues. Peyton, we're thrilled to have you here today. Welcome. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. We heard earlier from Kemi and Ubavka about their journeys as female leaders here at ParXL. I'd love to know what your journey has been like and what it feels like to be a female executive in healthcare. 
You know, as someone who's spent my entire career in healthcare, I think I was attracted to healthcare like many women are because you know, it really is a place where you can feel like you can make a difference um, and you can make a difference, you know, for the betterment you know, of a broader social good. Um, and I think that's why so many women have been attracted to healthcare. When you look at the numbers, there's more women than men now in medical school, for example. Yet when we look at the executive rankings, um, unfortunately, healthcare looks like pretty much every other part of business in that women really haven't uh, broken through into that. That top layer. Um, and I think that is something that I'm passionate about. It's one of the reasons I'm excited to talk about International Women's Day um, as well, because it really is about stepping back, seeing the progress that we've made as a, from a gender perspective, but then also the opportunity to do more together. And I think when you think about healthcare, you need to have a balance, right? You do need to have that diversity that you represent all patients. Ultimately, we're all patients. Right. We're all customers of healthcare, And so it's important that we actually reflect that, particularly at the leadership level of healthcare organizations. And that certainly is why I'm excited as a healthcare executive to be part of talking about International Women's Day. That's fascinating. Who have been your mentors throughout the years and how have they encouraged your success? I have been so lucky to have some amazing mentors. Very early in my career, I had access to a, a female uh, chief operating officer for a large academic medical center. And I have to tell you, I, I think about her almost every day um, because she was challenged to work with some very larger than life um personalities that were entirely male at that time. All the top surgeons, all the top specialties were 100% male. And being able to, first of all, see her in action um, in terms of really the managerial courage that you really need to be able to work amongst that type of power in an organization um, has hung with me. I utilize that every day. I think it's very difficult to be effective as an executive if you don't have that managerial courage. And learning that early on was certainly very, very helpful. And she was also the person who also pushed me and said, you don't need to question whether or not you could do something that the guys just don't do that, which was just such an amazing lesson. You know, I think also from a mentorship perspective, I've realized I've really benefited from both the mentorship and the sponsorship of men. And I am, am now really encouraging women and men to seek out someone who doesn't look like them mentorship and support. Um, and I also feel like you do learn a broader perspective, um, you know, that really does test, you know, time. So uh, I can honestly say that I would not be in the spot I am at without the mentorship and really ultimately sponsorship of men. Because in any area where there's really men dominating, whether, whether it's a board, whether it's um, executive leadership, you're going to need the support of whoever that is. And so it's really, um, you know, imperative for us as women to actually seek out that diversity ourselves and ask for it. And I will tell you that men aren't afraid to ask for that kind of support. In fact, I, I to this day find more men that will just jump on my calendar looking for input, guidance, and really sometimes informal mentorship, whereas women will ask for permission or maybe never even ask because they really don't feel like it's appropriate. They're almost polite about it. And so it's been a good lesson for me to see that difference in just the people that are asking for my support and has encouraged me to continue to ask for more feedback, particularly people that are different from me. So asking men and other leaders for their view, because they may actually see something I try to communicate effectively very differently, again, bringing their own perspective and that diverse perspective. You know, it's it's really important when you think about mentorship, um, how important 
what an important role really male leaders can play right now, particularly now. You know, there's a real tendency to potentially have new barriers come up right now with all of the discussion about men, women, gender dynamics in the workplace, et cetera. And yet we need that feedback and that dialogue more than ever. And so how about on the other side, as a mentor to others, what have you gained from those relationships and those experiences? You know, I do feel guilty. I think I gain more being a mentor than I'm able to give. Um, I honestly learn to be, frankly, a better um, a better boss, right? Because you learn to be sensitive to the things that really um, are challenging for folks, and you realize how important real time feedback is, and how few of us actually take the time to step back and give feedback, whether that's critical feedback or supportive feedback. It's you know equally important. I know I always gain from that. I also feel like I get a sense sensitivity to really where people are at. Generationally, people have different passions, desires, things they're looking for in order to to really grow their career at a company. And it's important for us as leaders to be connected to that. And I see today how it's much more important for us as companies to be socially aware, for example, for us to be visibly giving back to our communities and for all of our employees to have pride in who we are as a company and what we do and what our purpose is. And I've certainly learned from being a mentor how important that is to the people that I'm talking to. And that's a little bit different, frankly, than I was when I was at the same point in their career. So again, I think I benefit and it makes me more effective as a leader by having those connections at all levels of of the organization. Also, as a mentor, I've had an opportunity to follow some of our frontline leaders, and those might be the relationships that I probably reflect on every day because it makes you step back at how we have to you know, really break through the things that hold people back in their careers. So when you shadow or follow someone in the front line, for example, in our industry, that would be someone who's really on the front line of clinical trials, you realize how important it is that they have access to technology, that we make travel for them as easy as possible, that we allow them to really be present um, for our customers and for the physicians and patients that they're interfacing with. And you only get that appreciation really by being able to follow them real time. So that's another piece of mentorship that's kind of a step further, which is trying to even just spend a day, you know, walking in someone's shoes. And I've had an opportunity to do that this year. And it's, again, one of those you know things that you then reflect upon as you're making bigger decisions about how that really impacts people besides yourself. So you've talked about the importance of gender balance and about yeah. diversity and inclusion more broadly. Yeah. What is your aspiration for ParXL as it relates to DNI and gender balance? For diversity and inclusion at ParXL, first of all, I'm really proud of the recognition we've received because I think that recognition reflects our efforts. It certainly doesn't reflect success because we're just like every other company in that we are diverse in many of our entry-level areas. And then as you kind of work up the organization, you have less diversity. I'm, I'm certainly proud that we have more diversity than many of our peers. Um, that's fantastic, but you know we can't settle there, right? That obviously is, you know, far from achieving the balance where we we really look like the population as a whole. So that certainly is my goal. Um, The women in science that we have at ParXL in particular is an area that I'm very proud of. Um, We have some amazing women physicians, for example, within ParXL. And I think they are attracting that future talent as well, which is 
just particularly exciting. And I think we're going to have to continue to push ourselves to make sure that at a leadership level um, that we're really seeking diversity of all types. Again, I'm not binary in, in describing that, but all types of diversity for all of our leadership roles um, and nearly not allowing ourselves to get comfortable um, with just people that we've worked with in the past that we are seeking out beyond people that have worked in our industry. And I'm an example of that. So it's rather brave, frankly, to bring not only a female leader in, but someone who really wasn't from a direct competitor um, within PowerXL space. So I think I'm hopeful um, that I can be an example of that and that we can certainly continue to do more of that in the future. I've had an opportunity this year to attend some of our women in leadership groups, and they are some of the most impressive mentoring type groups that I've ever heard of. Um, certainly nothing like I've seen, even coming from a much larger company, um, we didn't have anything that looked like that. So I think if we can continue to take those types of groups, expand that, um, and really help nourish diversity and inclusion at Parkcell, we really will be positioned for success in the future. You know, when we think of International Women's Day, I do think it's about a broader diversity and inclusion message. So I think that's an really important one. I know with the headline that can get lost, but I th certainly think, um, you know, for all of us, we're really talking about inclusion at a broader level. So um, again, not binary, men, women, all types of gender, but also all race, all class. Um, diversity globally looks very different. And I think as a global company, I'm particularly sensitive to how we have different challenges and different parts of the world. And for me, International Women's Day is a, an opportunity to really celebrate how far we've come, but also recognize the work that remains. And some of that work is, frankly, a heavy lift in many parts of the world. And so we have to, particularly those of us that have been fortunate enough to be in countries like the United States, we have to be able to give back and support, uh, particularly you know, women and, and other minorities in other countries so that we can really have that kind of inclusion be reflected more globally as well. It's been a terrific conversation. And Peyton, I just have one final question for you. What advice do you have for young women aspiring to be leaders in STEM fields? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm excited about how many women are emerging into healthcare, particularly um, from the sciences, which is, you know, so critical for us. Um, for women overall, in terms of, of you know, where, where do you go from here? I think don't sell yourself short. Strive for the biggest opportunity possible. I do think you don't often see women looking for those executive roles right out the gate, um, taking the time to actually think about not just becoming part of healthcare, but a leader within healthcare, I think is one of the big opportunities. And I think that's why you see some of the mix at the C-suite level not being as diverse as it really could be, is that many times we're, we're worried about balance and worried about how we'll juggle it all instead of worried about reaching our full potential and knowing that if you can reach your full potential, there's frankly power and balance that comes with that. So don't hold back and think, well, that's not a job I can tackle because it looks untenable, but instead it's the opposite. Reach as far as you can in any career path. And with that will actually come more flexibility and ability to control um, what you do and how you do it. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Peyton. It's been a pleasure to have you today. I'd like to extend a huge thank you to everyone who has made today's podcast happen. Thank you to our guests, Kemi, Ubavka, Aida, and Peyton. Thank you to the whole team here at ParXL. And also thank you to you for listening and tuning in. Until next time. <laughs>